Welcome to Mini MuggleCast. We don't have too many of these. It's a mini episode. We're your mini ride into the wizarding world today. Eric and Micah here. Hi, Micah. Hey, Eric. Happy Sunday. We don't do too many of these Sunday recordings either, so... uh... I know. Felt like waking up and I was just like, fine day, Sunday. (laughs) No post. No post, but MuggleCast. Yeah, no post, just podcast. So tell me about this recent journey you went on. I know we previewed it on last week's MuggleCast, but let's hear it from the horse's mouth. Yeah, so earlier this week, I got the opportunity to go to Harry Potter, the exhibition here in New York City. It is being housed in in Herald Square, which is really the heart of Midtown. It's so easy to get to from so many different locations. If you're familiar with New York, you come in either to Penn Station, it's literally a five-minute walk away, Grand Central Station, probably like 10 to 15 minutes, depending on your pace. So you're really in the heart of New York City, a great location for them to be at. And it uh, opened up on Friday, uh, May the 19th. Uh, Had to do a little bit of math there looking at my calendar. (laughs) Uh, I got a chance to go on the 18th. Uh, They did a media session in the morning, and then they did a VIP session in the evening. And so uh, I took the opportunity to check out both. uh, And I also got the opportunity to sit down with Tom Zoller, who is the president and CEO of Imagine Exhibitions, the man responsible. uh, He, of course, has a team working with him, but um, responsible, I believe, not just for this exhibition here in New York City, but for the one that is currently overseas uh, in Paris. It was in Milan previously. This exhibition was in Atlanta, and then it started in Philadelphia. So it's making its way uh, around the US. It's making its way around Europe. And we're going to talk a little bit about this later, but he told me that they're going to expand. So there will be four touring exhibitions. They're going to add one in Asia, and they're going to add one in South America as well. Wow. I gave you a lot of information. There. Yeah, no, real talk. This is this is good. You're hitting all the bullets. Um, the <laughs> how does how you said you've been twice, right? Because you went for the press and one yeah. like earlier in the day. And you did you walk through the whole exhibition twice? I did. Okay. How does this differ from the Harry Potter exhibition that has been touring the world? Obviously, no Phelps twins at this one. Correct. There were no Phelps twins uh, that popped up. I was expecting it. You know, they're at the opening literally of everything Harry Potter these days. Yeah. But uh, uh, it differs, I think, in a lot of good ways. And the first off is you can take photos. And I joked with Tom about that in the interview. <laughs> Uh, going back to the one I, I want to say, I think on the show I said 2008, 2009, but it was in New York in 2011. Yeah, it opened in Chicago. I know Tom in his interview says he visited in Chicago when it opened. It was at the Museum of Science and Industry, and they took over like a whole wing mm. of the museum for it um, in 2010. Of course, I we, we saw it together, I think, at one point in New York, but I remember the, the Ford Anglia coming out the side of the building. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was at a, a place called Discovery Times Square which I don't think is there any longer. Uh, Mm. Discovery had a place where you could do exhibitions and Harry Potter obviously took advantage of that. But I will say the biggest thing is the interactivity aspect of this, as you would expect in 2023, Mm. much more immersive than what it was back in, you know, let's say 2011. And I think 
one of the keys, and Tom mentioned this this in the interview, and, and it's one of the things that I really like, is that there is something for every Harry Potter fan, which is so important because you're going to have those that are coming in who are just your casual fan. You're going to have kids. Uh, and then you're going to have folks like us who are you know more of the diehard fans. And I think that everybody will really be satisfied with this. And the way that they laid it out is really well done. It's easy to walk through. Uh, and, and I think that people are going to have a lot of fun. Well, I obviously have very specific questions for you, but I don't want to delay before hearing this interview. This Tom seems like a really good guy. He is. Um, it's a good conversation. So we will play that now. Also minor disclaimer. <laughs> uh, if you've ever been to a Harry Potter exhibition surrounded by other Harry Potter fans, there are gasps and awes and in some cases, very small children screaming. <laughs> Uh, we've done our best in this audio to remove it, uh, but it could not be avoided, I guess, when you guys did this interview. The way I would position it is you're getting an authentic experience. This is what it sounds like when yeah. you are live at an event. Yes. And there's a million different things going on around you. I will say they were putting the finishing touches on the exhibition as well when I was there talking with Tom. Oh. And uh, it was funny because- we were trying to find a quiet spot. There really is no quiet spot to go to. No. Uh, but we did duck into a Ministry of Magic phone booth <laughs> to do this interview. <laughs> so he was joking that this is the first interview he's done inside of a phone booth. So it was very cozy, oh, man. Uh, very casual. And as you said, Tom uh, was great. He's definitely a Harry Potter fan and he cares a lot about his work. He's done exhibitions across the board. Uh, we're talking Hunger Games, Titanic, Jurassic World, Angry Birds. He's done it all. Uh, and he's done it all over the world. And you can tell he really, really cares about this. This is something he was really looking forward uh, to working on and uh, did an amazing job bringing it to life. Okay, we'll hear from him and then we'll be back uh, so I can press you on all the rooms and all the experiences. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to it. Awesome. Here we go. Interview with Tom Zoller. All right. Well, I'm now joined by Tom Zoller, who is uh, the CEO of Imagine Exhibitions, who has put on uh, the Harry Potter exhibition here in New York City. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. We're happy to have you. And one of the fun things that we do on the show is we get our guest fan of mine to start. So curious if you can just give me your favorite book, favorite movie, your Hogwarts house and your Patronus. I think I'm, I might be a little boring, but I mean, I, 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 I fell in love with it all from the first book and the first movie. Uh, I, I probably because I read it to my son and watched it with my son, and that was the my intro. Uh, and probably still boring that I'm, I'm a Harry Potter fan. Uh, and my house, um, I have been sorted twice. Okay. And I have been sorted both in Ravenclaw and Gryffindor. So I'm one of those. Your hat stall. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I am wearing a Gryffindor coat. Right yeah, it's now. really nice. It's, yeah, we actually make ninety percent of the merchandise in our store here is all bespoke from us, so you can't get it anywhere else in the world. Uh, so this is a, a Gryffindor. Um, what do they call this? Uh, like a Leatherman jacket sort of thing with our golden snitch on the nice. sleeve. And yeah, so um, yeah, so I'm I go both ways, but I'm, <laughs> yeah. I was a hat stall between Ravenclaw and Slytherin, so. Yeah. But I, I default to Ravenclaw. I was I was disappointed when I got to the end. The house points for Ravenclaw were 
were pretty low. It's almost always, I mean, it's almost always Gryffindor and Slytherin who are in the lead. And then it, and then it varies between which day of the week it is, if it's Hufflepuff or whatever. Okay. I don't know why that is, but I guess, you know, okay. it is. And do you have a favorite character? Harry Potter's my favorite character. Okay. I know it's, it's see, I mean, I, there are so many great characters. It's like people ask me what my favorite room in this exhibition is. It's mm-hmm. like, it's my favorite. You know, it's like asking me who my favorite child is. I love all the, I, there's, I mean, there's the stories are so rich and so awesome that um, I could go on about each and many different characters. But here's my guy. All right. So how did the exhibition come to life? I saw on LinkedIn, you have, you have a lot of exhibition experience. You've done a lot of cool things in different fandoms. How did this one in particular come to life? And I say that because, you know, there was an exhibition going back probably about 10 years or so. But this one is just amazingly immersive. It's a lot of fun. So I'm curious how the idea came back to do it again. Well, thank you for that. Um, I So first of all, my company, we imagine exhibitions, we create immersive experiences, museum shows, attractions. This is what I've been doing all my life. Well, I've been doing it for 25 years. Um, so, you know, I cut my teeth on the Titanic exhibition. Also super immersive, recreating rooms and telling stories. And that's what we do. We tell a story in a three-dimensional way, right? So I've had, I've, had, I've done lots of different exhibitions from, uh, you know, stories in franchises, whether it's uh, I built a Jurassic World exhibition, I built a Hunger Games exhibition, and an Angry Birds exhibition, a Downton Abbey exhibition, a Titanic exhibition, and like hundreds of other different, you know, exhibitions of science and natural history and dinosaurs and whatever. Um, but so Warner Brothers called me after that exhibition you're talking about that a lot of your fans probably are aware of, uh, was called Harry Potter the Exhibition. It toured for 10 years. I know the people very, very well who did it. Um, and I actually was one of the hosts. Uh, I, I was the, I built a museum in Singapore called the Art Science Museum, and I was the director, and I hosted the exhibition. And I saw it in New York both times, and I saw it, I saw it in Chicago when it first opened, and I know the people really well, um, and so I'm very familiar with what that was. And so when Warner Brothers called and said they wanted to do a different exhibition, I was like, absolutely. Because to me, this is like, in my little world, which there's not a lot of people in my world. This is like the holy grail to me was to get the opportunity to work with a brand like Harry Potter and to tell these stories in this immersive way. And so I've got 25, 30 years of success and mistakes. And so I kind of, when I thought about what could we do, I felt like we could do this so well because the root of it, the, 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 the story and the, the media and the visuals in it and, and and the story is just is awesome so we went about it you know step by step and worked with Warner brothers and picked props and costumes and and then picked out the different rooms and added that uh, layer of technology in there that really i think really also helps bring it to life yeah i would say the interactive component of it is really cool the wristband scanning at different places getting the opportunity when you come in you get to choose your house, your wand, your Patronus, but just the thought process behind, I think, thinking at it from, from the perspective of a Harry Potter fan, and that's what it seems like you did here. Yeah. And just there's so many cool stops along the way that I was really blown away by. So. And hopefully you as a more than the average fan, let's say, we had to do something. This is a mass appeal experience, right? We're in New York City. 
We're also open in Paris. Like we're in big cities around the world. So you're going to have your entry level fan and you're going to have your, you know, your middle of the road fan and you have your super fan. So you have to satisfy everybody. So it's the little subtle things that other people won't notice that the super fan will that make that satisfy the super fan, you know, and we have to think about all the other things in the world that have been done, but what, what can we do differently? And so I think the technology layer that we added that's underneath all of this with the wrist of the, with the tech wristband you're talking about, where like you see your face pop up and we know you're a Ravenclaw and it's like, that's pretty cool. Like that they know that. And then later, what you don't know is you'll get an email and all your memories that you created today oh, wow. will be shared with you. And that's a takeaway that doesn't cost you anything. It's like, now I can share my moments that I, we want it to be great, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I really like too, is the, the note cards uh, that are there. It's not just describing what a costume is or a prop is. It gives you even a little bit more of background information. Right. I think that's what you're talking about when you say sort of the super fan, you get even deeper insights of how something was created right. or you know, something along these lines. And that, that's what we sort of bill ourselves. So we are, what makes us special and unique is that we have original props and costumes from all of the films, from Fantastic Beast films, from Chris Child. We have all of it here. It's all represented. And then we also have this behind the scenes content and we talk about what choices were made, why costumes were done the way they were to represent what part in the fandom, right? So it's, it's not just a, a, you know, so-and-so designed this thing. It's like, you know, did you know that the layers of Voldemort's robes changed movie by movie and layer by layer and what the deep, deeper story is for those who want that, right? We have, we want to give it to everybody. We want to like let the new fan take a picture at the cover under the stairs, but we also right. want to, we want to satisfy everybody. And I think we've struck a really nice balance and have been able to use all kinds of new technology and old, you know, tried and true technology that uh, that can deliver the show. Yeah, and you, it's funny you mentioned the photos because that's something we often joke about when we talk about the prior exhibitions. They didn't let us take photos. It's crazy. Um, but I, I don't remember if that was maybe because the last movie hadn't been out yet, so they were showing us things that maybe weren't too public, but... Um, We've got a lot of great photos and, and videos in here. Uh, you talked about Fantastic Beasts and Cursed Child. How important was that to add to the exhibition? Well, particularly for, again, we keep talking about the super fan, and obviously the program we're talking about, you're not just a casual fan if, right, you're, right. if you're listening, right? So, I mean, what I was surprised at were the number of people who didn't know about Cursed Child. Mm -hmm. uh, because also, it's an expensive ticket to Broadway sure. show, uh, but it's, it's a part of the world, right? And a lot of people haven't seen all the Fantastic Beast films, right? So we want to also make sure they know about this continuing story. And as we know from recent news, the story is going to continue. Right. Um, and so I think we want to incorporate the complete story. We, you know, we bill ourselves as the most comprehensive touring exhibition about Harry Potter that's ever been done. So we have to to live up to that. We have to. We couldn't leave it out. Yeah. And, and luckily for us, um, the Cursed Child people have been incredible. Uh, to work with and really great supporters, particularly here in New York. And it's their anniversary now this, this year too, five years. Oh, wow. So like we're, we're collaborating with them and, you know, we want to tell the whole story. Has them kind of condensing down to one show a lot or yeah, one show allowed them to like provide more maybe than they otherwise would from like a proper costume standpoint. I don't know the answer to that. I don't, okay. I don't think, 
I, I don't know. Um, I don't know, but the, the new show is amazing. I saw it last year. It's oh. fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Who decides props, costumes, sets? Like, is there a team behind yeah, for sure. that decision? Yeah, we have a great team. Um, you know, I am the, the owner of the company, and I'm, the I think, the dreamer and the visionary for a lot of things. But I have, a, a, you know, hundreds of people worked on this, right? And both at Warner Brothers and in my team and third party, you know, designers and AV producers and audio engineers and scenic painters and, you know, carpenters. And, you know, there's a, a massive team of really talented, important people um, that, that made this all happen. But like when we do a final choice about, you know, do we do this room or that room? I have a good, I have a strong say in it. Was there one in particular that like was yours and you said, I, I really want to see this come to life? There's two uh, that I really fought for. One, uh, and they're two different stories. The one that I really wanted to do on the drawing board that I was most excited about was the Great Hall. Um, and the way that we did the Great Hall, nobody's done before. And I'd never done anything quite that way where you're layering together the physical world and then a double screen to create this feeling as if I wanted the Great Hall to transform between floating candles and pumpkins and owls and the, the Yule Ball and Feast. And we were able to do that with media in a way that's never been done before that I thought was really good. So that was very exciting for me. The other one is really, really simple. And I think it's one of my favorite moments in the whole experience. And you don't expect it. It's when you... So we started in an introductory theater, and when you leave the theater and you walk into the next room, there's the whole, all the walls and the floor is Marauder map. Yeah. And uh, you, you don't know it, then you have your wristband out, yeah. you go and tap your thing on the side, and your name popped up on the wall. Yeah, it's like, that was it's the so coolest cool. moment. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, because you don't expect it. It's not complicated. It's, and I think those are some of the best things in life I've ever had, the, the simple things, you know, that, that aren't gizmos and widgets but are just cool yeah and and those diehard fans are going to really appreciate it oh, whether it's that whether it's like seeing your face in one of the divination uh, crystal balls or, cool. or the pensive yeah i just think overall it's it's just such an amazing job that you all did oh thank you uh, well I'm, we're very proud of it so just a kind of a closing question we're here in New York. I know it's been in Atlanta and Philly, and then there's an international version currently in, in Paris. Paris. Yeah. Is, is the plan to continue on beyond? And, and how long do we anticipate it'll be in New York? Because I'm sure you know a lot of fans listening to the show and travel plans upcoming over sure. the summer will be in New York. And I think it's definitely on, it should be on the list of, of go-to Harry Potter things in addition to the, the store, which isn't too far away either, so... Yeah, so, so we have uh, a North American version, which is here in New York. It's a limited engagement. I'll tell you, it is here through summer. I don't know exactly how long it'll be here. I'd love for it to stay there forever. I know it's not going to, um, I'm, but I know I'm here through the summer. So I would say if you got summer travel plans and they're involved in New York, go now because the store is going to be here forever. Um, Fair point. Yeah. Uh, so I think that is important. Enough. So this will continue to tour. Uh, the, the show that's in Paris now opened in Vienna. Um, it did extremely well in Vienna and is doing incredibly well in Paris. It'll be in Paris until October, and then it goes on a European tour. We're building another set for Asia and another set for South America. Oh. So 
those will uh, there'll be four total touring versions of this show, um, and all will be similar in nature. But of course, they'll all have their own unique props and costumes. So technically, if you're really a super fan, you're going to need to go to all. Yeah, I'm just saying. So what that means is. You know, good travel for people that get to go all over the world. Why not let Harry Potter be your muse to travel? Yeah, you know? absolutely. That was actually going to be one of my other questions. There are things that are unique to the different cities yeah. that... Yeah. yeah, and like here in New York, we added a little moment for the, the Ministry... Of, I'm sorry, for um, Fantastic Beasts. As you saw, those subway tiles coming yeah. up after you left right, by the yeah. Time Turner. Um, that's a cool moment. Uh, and as we, you know, as, as we evolve, you know, we plan to do this for many years. Um, there'll be other things that happen in the franchise that we hope that we can continue to incorporate because we want to be the go-to comprehensive touring exhibition. It's, it's the biggest touring exhibition ever done on Harry Potter. It's, it's cool, right? And yeah, yeah. if you, if you can't get to like London is its own thing. Orlando is its own thing. Like each, we all have our own space. Um, but I think this kind of incorporates it all. I'm really proud of it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we're definitely going to be telling our listeners to uh, come out here and check it out. Right on. Come on. Let's, <laughs> let's get out of here. Okay. Thanks. Thank Appreciate you. It. Appreciate it. Yeah. And we're back. What a nice time. Yeah. If for being in a phone booth, uh, it was... Uh, <laughs> It was a great time. And uh, like I said earlier, you could just tell how passionate he is about this project, how much he cares about it. And uh, I'm excited to also just see where this goes beyond New York City. I, he had me when he said his favorite character was Harry, honestly. That uh, it's such a bold choice. <laughs> it is. It's a bold choice. And I think a lot of people shy away from it because they feel like it is too easy of an answer to give. Yeah. But he backed it up. He did. So tell me what this place looks like. Now, I heard of the Great Hall. I actually see the Great Hall because as we're doing this, you've shared some of the promo photos. Um, kind of a hybrid between room size and screens. What did that feel like going into? Obviously, do you start off in the Great Hall? No. So you, you actually start off, uh, you're given a little wristband, which I assume is probably some kind of RFID technology. Yeah. And when you get in, uh, you scan it at a little kiosk and you choose your wand, your Patronus, and of course your Hogwarts house. And these are important as you go throughout the experience. Having that little RFID bracelet is important throughout the experience because at different points, you do different activities that earn your house points, which you will see at the end of the experience. So for myself being in Ravenclaw, I felt a little bit lonely because when I got to the end of the experience, I felt like I was the only one that was earning Ravenclaw <laughs> points. And I think Tom alluded to this, like, Gryffindor and Slytherin are very heavy uh, in this uh, experience. For the most part, Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw straggle behind a little bit, which isn't unexpected. But I, I'm I'm curious when it really opens up to the public uh, if we'll get a little bit more balance there. But yeah, that's your first essential stop, and then you go in. There's a green screen. You can take some photos, uh, and then. After that, it's just room after room of immersive experience. Uh, there's a house room, so you can go to different uh, houses and you can walk through and they have uh, costumes from the characters that were in each of those 
uh, houses. Uh, so that was very cool. And then it's really uh, by class. So herbology, defense against the dark arts, divination. Uh, and then as you kind of work your way through to the end, uh, there's more of, more of the dark arts uh, experience. Uh, uh, and it's also worth calling out. Uh, Cursed Child is represented. Fantastic Beasts is represented. So yeah, that's my biggest uh, wish for because it's in New York and Fantastic Beasts is very in New York. I mean, what percentage would you say of the exhibition was Fantastic Beasts and what was it? What was there mm. to see? I would say more than I expected. Somebody asked me this question before we went through the VIP reception. And I actually had to think the percentage of Cursed Child and the percentage of Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts actually probably works out to maybe between 15 to 20% of the exhibition. Mm -hmm. uh, Cursed Child is probably somewhere around 5%. And then I would say Harry Potter is 75%. Yeah. Uh, I mean, given uh, eight films, that makes sense, right? Um, yeah. Across eight movies. And the exhibition did a really nice job with Fantastic Beasts. When you're walking through and I am blanking on the name of the beast uh, is kind of popping its head outside of a subway wall. <laughs> and the subway was a nice nod to the fact that this exhibition is taking place in New York City. But of course, the first Fantastic Beast film mm -hmm. was in New York City as well. Uh, there are costumes from Credence, Queenie, Newt, and and there's actually a section too where you feel as if you're inside of Newt's suitcase because it's all dedicated to the different uh, beasts. Okay. There's a Makusa reference, uh, and one of the wands that you can choose is Grindelwald's. Oh. Though I did find it interesting, there was no representation of Grindelwald at all in the experience, nor the. Jude Law version of Dumbledore. That's interesting. I also think, I mean, maybe those rights are being reserved. <laughs> maybe there's Perhaps. maybe there's something building between Jude Law's Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Let's start the rumor here because what is a mini muggle cast without rumors? Um, but uh for me, I would love to see Graves's costume. I mm. remember from the first Fantastic Piece film that being very like awesome, this long flowing kind of suit looking thing that Colin Farrell wore. Um, but okay. So then as far as the room dedicated to beasts, were there actual, like, I don't want to say animatronics, but what, what, like, here's another thing, I guess, overview, uh, question again, percentage is the easiest way to do this, but what percentage is costumes versus props versus photo stations <laughs> and like the interactive elements? Wow. Okay. No, I only asked because, you know, like going back the exhibition, when it originally came out, and I remember being so shocked by no photos, please. Um, but it was largely costumes with very, very, very few. Like the the props that you would see were maybe empty Mina Lima boxes and like the jewelry, like the diadem and some of like the maybe like the Horcruxes were in a corner uh, somewhere. So I remember being very costume heavy. Yeah, I will say it is fairly costume heavy from the standpoint of the houses that I mentioned earlier. So when you're able to walk through Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, Slytherin, a lot of what you see is in fact costume mm -hmm. specific, right? 
and there are props that are included alongside those costumes. And I think one of the other really neat things that they did at this particular exhibition is these note cards. And these note cards aren't just descriptions of what you're seeing. It goes into a lot more detail. So it gives you a sense of how something was created versus just saying, this is the costume of Bellatrix Lestrange. Yeah. Are you uh, talking about like materials or what kind of other information is on these cards? Yeah. So one example, if I pull up my phone real fast, I was uh, taking a photo of the Quibbler. Mm. Let me find it. The Quibbler published by Xenophilius Lovegood. 5,000 copies were printed on newsprint paper for a tabloid style feel. So it goes a layer deeper mm. than just saying, hey, this is the Quibbler. Right. And they do that a lot. And and I think to Tom's point in the interview, this is what the diehard fan will appreciate beyond just being able to see Luna Lovegood's costume, which of course the Quibbler is positioned next to. Uh, I will say I did have to laugh because in the Hufflepuff section, there's uh, Cedric Diggory uh tonks and then in the middle just hufflepuff student which the photo is of ernie mcmillan yeah but it just says hufflepuff, hufflepuff student, student. Uh, look there's always an opportunity for MuggleCast hosts to uh be consultants uh on these things that's just mm -hmm. a a mention i'm gonna throw out there we could have pointed out ernie mcmillan but yeah um that's hilarious actually. But I'm glad to see or to hear you say that it is still very costume heavy because that to me is what justified the first exhibition um, because of the level of detail that you otherwise would not see on some of these uh, costumes. In particular, the one I always go back to from the original exhibition was the Bloody Baron. Mm. Uh, the Bloody Baron's like overcoat was so layered and beautiful, but you only ever see him, first of all, transparent. Second of all, from a distance, maybe like in one of the film's background shots. But when you look at it and you're like a foot in front of it, you can see just the insane amounts of texture and pattern and all of that that's been worked into it. And it really is astounding to see how much work goes into each of these costumes and props. And so the exhibition was literally like this expose for me of the level of how deep the creativity runs mm -hmm. in the film franchise that we all know. Yeah, you definitely get a sense for that. And in the interview with Tom, I think he references just how Voldemort's costume changed mm. over the course of the films that he was in. And you do see... Uh, one of his costumes, I believe it's from Deathly Hallows, as well as, in, and this is just calling out some of the other costumes that are there, Bellatrix, uh, Lupin, Snape, Slughorn, uh, McGonagall, uh, Dumbledore from King's Cross, as well as Harry from King's uh -huh. Cross, uh, all of the uh, Triwizard Champions uh, from, believe it's the first task. So you get Cedric, Crumb, Fleur, and Harry. Uh, I mentioned the costumes from uh, the Fantastic Beasts series. There's also Albus and Scorpius uh, from Cursed Child, mm -hmm. as well as Hermione from Cursed Child. Cool. So uh, you do get a really nice uh, kind of diverse cross-section of costumes in this 
exhibition. The interactive experience, uh, probably my favorite is one of the first rooms that you go into, and it's really the first opportunity you get to scan that RFID bracelet, and that is the Marauder's Map. Uh, and having your name pop up uh, on the Marauder's map as if you're at Hogwarts. Uh, I think that was a really, really nice touch uh, on the part of this exhibition. Uh, You can also use it for brewing a potion. And uh, I believe I went with the Draft of Living Death uh, but you can do Felix Felicis, Love Potion, and I think oh, cool. there's one other. Uh, you can fight a Boggart nice. inside of a wardrobe. We, and you didn't do that, or you did do that? I did that, yeah, of course. Because oh, we just did that on, on, of course, our chapter by chapter. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, you can cast your Patronus, which, again, you choose uh, at the start of the exhibition. There is a crystal ball within the divination space, and if you scan your bracelet, you can see your face in the crystal ball, and then it whispers to you some sort of prophecy. Oh. So uh, uh, I did not hear that, uh, but uh, I was told that that is what happens. And then uh, at the very end, you get to do a really cool dueling sequence like Harry and Voldemort in Deathly Hallows Part 2. Uh, so a lot of interactive, very fun uh, things to do. There's photo ops along mm-hmm. the way too. There's a really big armchair <laughs> in Hagrid's hut. Right. Which by the way, Hagrid's hut is most likely outside of the Marauders map, my my favorite area because really? it just smells like firewood. Oh. And they did a the cool job just making you feel like you're you're literally standing inside of his hut. That's really cool. Yeah, how does this experience for you compare to the much more recent? Uh, you were in like the Forbidden Forest experience that was in New York. Yeah, it's different because you're outdoors, and so I think that mm. for that experience, it was a totally different one. And and so I would say that temperature control is definitely a positive because <laughs> it was cold uh, when oh, I went. Right, yeah. But uh, it's just, it's two totally different types of experiences. I think that they did a great job with uh, the Forbidden Forest uh, as well. Well, because Chicago has a a Harry Potter exhibition-ish sort of experience, immersive Harry Potter experience, I think I'll call it, called Harry Potter Magic at Play. And it's set up where you go through Mm. various rooms and environments from the films, um, loosely films. And then also uh, there's tons of photo ops. And it's so funny to see how Harry Potter touring has changed from no photos, please, to, you know, here's a photo. Oh, to get it up on social. Get up on a broom broom in front of a green screen. Was there any Quidditch uh, feature at this thing? There is a Quidditch feature. You can uh, throw the quaffle through the rings. Yes. See, that's what Harry Potter fans want. That and their name on the Marauder's map is enough to please me. Oh. Yeah, I I think you would thoroughly enjoy this. And uh, you mentioned the Great Hall, which is positioned behind me here. Uh, There is a a screen, as you can tell, but then they also did a really nice job setting up a couple tables with some silverware, uh, some diningware. They have the floating candles above. And one of the things I did not notice, and you can maybe tell me this because I know you've been to the 
uh, studio tour in London yes. is the gargoyles are actually the house sigils. Now, I'm not sure if this was done just for the purposes of this exhibition or that's how it is in the films and I just never noticed, but that was something that I picked up on. That's amazing. So they just have a shield that has a specific crest or... No, so the and and maybe I'll show you a photo, but the actual imagine a gargoyle, but the gargoyle is in the shape of a badger or a snake. Oh no! Wow! And and they're holding the lanterns. You can kind of see one behind me over here. Yeah, but it's 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 a little dark. So I I can send you a photo. But again, yeah, I'd have to take a closer look. A really nice touch that uh, Harry Potter fans will appreciate. And you know, as as I'm talking, I'm remembering things. Going into Umbridge's office. Mm. They have uh, I must not tell lies kind of scrawled into the into the wall, uh, and then a really cool surprise for people. Uh, well, maybe cool is not the right word. I I posted this video on uh, Instagram story, but as you're going through Umbridge's office, you can turn around and you'll see the door with Mad Eye's eye oh, in the door. Too soon. So again, the level of detail is uh is really really cool uh interactive wise there's also a port key experience where you touch the port key and it takes you to a, a new and different area presumably i'm sure they have maybe like five or ten that they cycle through oh. but uh yeah it, it i'd say and and all it probably takes about if if you're really pacing yourself maybe like an hour to go through okay and um, I think the big key here, uh, two word phrase that'll attract a lot of people, exclusive merchandise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was actually surprised by the level of, of merchandise. Now, I haven't seen the jacket that Tom was wearing, but I kind of want to. Yeah. So the jacket he was wearing was very cool. It was a Quidditch Letterman's jacket, which I would assume is part of that exclusive merchandise to this exhibition. And uh, he told me, I, th I think somewhere between 80 to 90% of the merchandise at this exhibition is exclusive to this location. So you can only get it there. And the great thing is that store is open regardless of whether or not you're going to the exhibition itself. So you can go in just to yeah get that Letterman's jacket or any of the other merchandise is there. One of the things that was unique was that uh, they used a lot of kind of stained glass type of artwork for the house sigils, and they leaned into that a lot in the merchandise. So I think that's part of what made it unique from anything else that you could get. Uh, and I got a chance to meet at the reception, mm. the man responsible for creating a lot of the merchandise. And I guess he had worked on a lot of the other experiences. So yeah, if you're a fan of the Harry Potter series from the standpoint of merchandise, you're going to want to go here and check it out uh, because there's a lot of cool stuff there. I, I know Chloe, our social media manager is going in a couple of weeks. So maybe she can do a, a merchandise uh, <laughs> exclusive for us. Yeah, maybe. So uh, just wrapping up, what, how do people, where do people go to get tickets? And uh, you said this is in Herald Square in New York, Manhattan? Yeah. So as far as tickets, there is the website that I've uh, seen is new-york.harrypotterexhibition.com. We'll link to it in the show notes, make it super easy uh, for people to find. They're also on all of your uh, social media channels that uh, you would expect. Uh, so very easy to find. 
And I would say too, from a price point perspective, it is very affordable. Uh, I was looking through the prices, especially during the week. And we saw this too with the uh, Forbidden Forest exhibition that that you mentioned earlier. During the week is a much easier time, I think, for most folks uh, to be able to get affordable tickets. Once you get towards the weekend, those prices are going to scale. And I think that's just normal. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's it starts at thirty dollars. So uh, you know, for for everything that I was talking about, and you know, if you're looking for something to do that's Harry Potter related in New York City, and it's not going to price you out, because you think about Cursed Child, and by no means am I discouraging people from going to see it, but that can be a pricey ticket. Uh, uh, and and I know that there are other discount methods available for that as well, but. Certainly, uh, you know, affordable to to go to this exhibition, and uh, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, it's it's really in the Midtown area. It, it's it's accessible, uh, which I think is obviously very important for something like this. We were joking about how uh, it's very close to the Empire State Building, so they get a lot of spillover uh, tourists that will just come right in. Mm. Uh, and uh, as as Tom mentioned, the 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 store that's in the Flatiron uh, will be there forever, but this exhibition will not. So mm. it's worth coming by and checking it out, and uh, it'll be there. Right now, the plan is through summer, uh, so probably into the early fall window. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm assuming you know it could get extended depending on on how it does. But we know that a lot of Listeners uh, make travel plans for the summer. If you're planning to go to New York, it'll be there. So definitely check it out. Well, cool. I'm uh, yeah. I'm glad you went. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it was. It, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. You know, I, I still had a little bit of trauma, I guess, from the uh, <laughs> from the original <laughs> exhibition. Don't take no any photos, photos, please. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, there were Horcruxes there, uh, to your point earlier, uh, because and the reason I mentioned that is that is what I believe I tried to take a photo of and was told not to. Uh, but, yeah. but the diary is there. The locket is there. Uh, the Deathly Hallows has a very cool setup. Uh, they did a really nice um, kind of rendering uh, with uh, the Resurrection st- Stone, the Elder Wand, uh, and the Invisibility Cloak, uh, which, you know... It, there's a joke about that, but I'll let uh, people see it for themselves oh. when they uh, when they go. And uh, you know, speaking of wands, the last thing I'll mention is there is a wand room where they have uh, many of the wands from the Harry Potter series. Uh, also, the ones that you yourself chose. So, as I mentioned, I chose Grindelwald's wand, uh, and they they created next to the actual wand itself a probably like a 12 foot replica Mm. of the actual wand. So you get this for every character that's in the room and it's really, really cool. Uh, That's something I don't think they necessarily needed to do, but um, it's- What do you mean 12 foot replica? So imagine a a case with Grindelwald's wand in it or Voldemort's wand in it, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the actual wand from- from the movies, but then to the left or to the right of it, there's actually a 12 foot standing replica of that person's wand. A 12 foot wand. I'm just trying to yeah. like physically, I'm trying to imagine this. Like, so they have that with multiple, there's like six, six 12 foot wands in the room. It's probably more than that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. I, I, yeah, what I'm gonna say it's almost like floor to ceiling, so it might even be <laughs> bigger than that. But uh, giant wands. Well, it's gonna have to be something that you have to see for yourself, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds good. If I make it to New York this summer, I'll hit you up. Um, is there butterbeer, by the way, or or any kind of refreshments? So I know. Yeah. There is not any refreshments. So that was the one thing that I was. Uh, looking to see if they did. I mean, there were refreshments at the VIP reception. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, not I actually for had a drink any... called the Basilisk. Oh. Yeah. I have no clue what was it. <laughs> so, so <laughs> it was green. That's all I know. I don't, it could have had Any some... Horcrux inside you would have shriveled up. Yeah, um... it might have been absinthe for all I know. But uh, <laughs> And I had some Dragon Balls too. Uh, they, they, they were very creative oh, with what they were... Uh, what they were right. serving, but yeah, there's no there's no food and drink available at least for right now on location that I saw. All the merch was, you know, mostly clothing and other little trinkets. So always good to know. I'd say families with kids bring some snacks. Um, yeah, you know, keep your kid happy so there's not any screaming that interrupts other interviews. Um, <laughs> in the future <laughs> that may be going on there. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, honestly, thanks, uh, Micah for putting this all together and, and, uh, and going and providing this footage. It's nice to have this mini muggle cast. Um, we will be back with regular muggle cast next week as planned, where we're going through chapter 10 of prisoner of Azkaban chapter by chapter, the Marauders map. So your favorite part of the exhibition. Very appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. You sent a video of, of your name on the wall, and I think I thought that was really cool. It's like they knew exactly what we would have wanted. Yeah, they, they, they did a great job. And thanks to Tom for yes. taking a couple minutes of his time, which I'm sure was a very busy time uh, for him. But uh, you could tell just super excited and very passionate about the project. And, and we're glad that he was able to join us for this mini cast definitely and if you the listener want new material more new material this week from mugglecast check out our patreon patreon.com slash mugglecast where there's a brand new bonus mugglecast episode talking about the latest updates of the harry potter theme park in florida uh and what it might mean that disney had to close their overpriced star wars experience uh so will there be a hogwarts hotel one day I don't know. We talk about all that and more on Patreon, as well as many, 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 many other things historically, which are all available to our subscribers. And very shortly, I think Mike and I can tease, we're going to be announcing this year's physical gift. Yeah. Very, very soon. It's which coming. Is, uh, available to our Slug Club patrons. I think it might uh, actually be on this next episode, or am I making that up? Ooh, maybe. I think it is. I'm not sure. It hasn't happened yet, so we can't tease it. <laughs> but uh, we can tease it. But I don't know for sure. Um, but yes, it's coming soon. I think we think you'll uh, be very happy with that and be very excited. So thank you all for listening. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. Choo-choo. Choo-choo.